Hello, and welcome to this edition of People in Transition. I'm your host, Bob Gerst. I've been hiring and mentoring executives, frontline employees, and job seekers for nearly 40 years through a host of transitions, some difficult, but most very good. This experience has given me a bird's eye view on a variety of trends, economies, industry disruptors, and transitions, big and small. It also brought me into contact with the thought leaders and decision makers you need to meet. Imagine knowing exactly what to do next and how to know it's time to make your big job change. We all know transitions can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. And it's even fun when you have actionable strategies and proven tactics to achieve the future you want. We'll share with you the tools and skills that can take your dreams to your next great job. So if change is on your horizon, you won't want to miss this discussion. Also, please subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Lori Swanson, I am so excited about our conversation today. Ever since we have started to chat, I've been looking forward to our sharing information. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Bob. Excited to be here on Groundhog's Day. Lori, one of the things that my listeners always enjoy is hearing about the guest and what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? That's so funny because I was just talking with a girlfriend about this. I don't remember ever really having a set thing that I wanted to be. Actually, in my coaching program that I do, we do something called Connect the Dots, where you look back into the things that you enjoyed, let's say, in your childhood, and how does that connect to what you're doing today? And when I do that, like, for instance, I did a fundraiser for Ronald McDonald House, and I created a luncheon for all the moms in the neighborhood. So when I think about that, I realize that I am someone who's always liked to kind of bring people together. So I like community, I like bringing people together, and I like creating something fun. So I think that that's really what I wanted to be when I grew up. (laughs) Let's talk about those dots that you had along the way. Bring us from that vision that you had as a child to where you're at today. And what are the transition moments that you've gone through? A little about my background. Grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, you know, just a traditional sort of middle class, upper middle class upbringing. Uh, Went to college and went to the University of Texas. Not really sure what I wanted to do at that point, but my mom said, you love games. Why not go into computers? Because that's, they are connected to problem solving and and sort of figuring things out. I was like someone who I read a lot of books. I read a lot of Nancy Drew, Encyclopedia Brown, even when I was younger. And I like solving problems. I like playing games. So that was passions of mine when I was growing up. So how do you connect what you love doing with choice for a college major? And my mom suggested computers. And it was a really good idea because, of course, computers are our everyday now. But they weren't so much back in the in the mid 80s when I was going to school. It was kind of new and, and growing uh, area. I did that. I graduated and my first job was a software engineer, but I did not love it. And so 
I was doing it. I was going to work every day. I was not happy. Sort of had to drag myself out of work. And one day they had announced that they'd be having layoffs. It was a scaling startup, but they were having some funding issues and some sales problems. And so I remember thinking to myself, boy, I hope they lay me off. (laughs) And they did. And in that moment, I knew that I didn't want to continue down the software engineering path, but I didn't want to throw technology out the window either. So I started using recruiters to help me find sort of a blend of technology with customer facing roles. I wasn't sure exactly what that would look like. It ended up looking like recruiting. And so I got recruited by some recruiting firms. I explored what that even was. I had no idea about that career, decided to try it straight commission role and was like fish to water, loved it so much was really good at it, became the top rep. And in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, well, I sort of followed the evolution of incompetent to competent to excellence, but I wasn't really growing anymore. And I thought, you know, one more year of this I could do and do well and continue to be the top rep, or I could transition into something different. And I decided I wanted to sell a product versus a service like recruiting. So I went to work for a large software company and I sold software and I was their top rep. But It was during that time that I realized how much of recruiting really satisfied that part of me that liked bringing people together, the childhood stuff that really enjoyed being of service, helping them, someone who's in a job or a circumstance that isn't appealing to them, either by choice or circumstance, you know, they may have been laid off or they're choosing to switch jobs, or perhaps they're just in a toxic culture or in a in a role that no longer, that was good for them at one point is no longer exciting, fulfilling, and they know they want different and they don't know what. And so I would help them navigate a job search successfully, help them coach them on negotiation so that they got what they wanted from the negotiation. And I started my own company in 95, built up a multi-million dollar recruiting firm, and then started to have that sort of like, okay, different day, same stuff, starting to drain me. I knew that that's a sign, a symptom that it was time for another transition. And I started to explore what might be next for me. And then I got certified as a life coach, career coach through IPEC and through the Martha Beck Institute. And uh, so two different modalities there and got certified as a passion test facilitator, got certified through Cornell and diversity, equity, inclusion. And all those little pieces came together, plus my strong job search and career planning skills that I got through uh, recruiting and building a team and leading a company. All of those things sort of came together into my desire to become a coach full-time. So January of 2023, I shut down the recruiting, just shut it down and now have been, you know, obviously as a recruiter, but also I had been coaching. I'd been, I got certified in 2015. So I had been doing coaching on the side, uh, sort of as a side hustle, you know, as a way to sort of explore if this is what I wanted to do. Do I love this? And then knowing that for me, it was very difficult to run this recruiting firm that, you you know, takes up all your time and try to build another business. So I made the decision to go full-time into coaching. And now I coach women in tech, women in tech adjacent roles. And I also coach guys Uh, right now, I would say probably 20% of the people that I'm coaching are men. And it's all about reconnecting to their 
passions, reminding themselves of those things that as a kid they love doing and how can they bring that into their careers today, their gifts, their abilities and skills that they've built all over all these years through education and experience and how do we leverage those and how do you do it in a way that's fun and free of worry and self-doubt. I have a bit of a, you know, an intuitive approach to career transformation. I definitely do mindset and thought work with my clients because I do believe that behind every action that we're taking, there is some sort of thought that's driving it. And if our actions lead to our results, and if our results are not uh, optimal, then let's go back and look at your thoughts. You really spent a great deal of time in the recruiting world and Mm -hmm. blended that recruiting world with uh, technology. As a candidate, is finding a job in technology somehow different than if I'm a candidate trying to find a job in finance or I'm a candidate trying to find a job in science or whatever. Is it different? Yes, I would say a good portion of what I did was recruit for technologists from your two years of experience up to the C-suite. Um, but I also worked on accounting and finance roles, supply chain roles, and ultimately it isn't a different search. I think the hardest part is that the people who are, let's say in the human resources department, their recruiters can sometimes feel overwhelmed by the terminology that goes along. And they're like, I don't know, does this person have the goods? Don't they have the goods? So that can be a difficult part of being able to share how what they're looking for in the role description, you have what they're looking for, even if the terms are not exactly the, you know, like this software package is basically the same as this software package, you know, and let me show you how. Uh, But the actual search itself, like as as a job seeker, isn't any more difficult than trying to find an accounting and finance role or trying to find a supply chain role. It isn't any different than any of that. The process is all the same. It just might be that you need to work a little bit more on using terminology terms that are accessible across a wider audience. Once you get into the tech interview or once you're talking to a hiring manager who grew up in tech, yeah, then you can get a little more techie. But when you're speaking with human resources or the business, you might want to adjust how you show what you do if it's a a more technical. Funny that you say that. I interviewed an IT person couple of weeks ago and she got done describing her career and the different packages that she'd used. I had to stop and I finally said, you know, you've, you've been talking for 10 minutes now. I don't have a clue what it is that you've said. You're going to have to dumb this down for this HR guys. To talk more about business value, business outcomes, and less about the technology packages and technology tools in that conversation. Laura, you've talked with me before about aligning your career with your true nature. That was the word that you used. Yeah. Your authentic self. What do you mean by that? And how do I go about doing that? And I've alluded to this a little bit, but I truly believe that we're all born with kind of this unformed self. And we are given some natural affinities, things that come easily to us. So I call these your gifts. You know, they're just there with you. You know, like that I can play the piano, but I can't really play the piano. (laughs) You know, like I've developed a bit of a skill around that, but I am not gifted. You know, there's a bit of a, there's a difference. You come with these gifts that are sort of easily accessible to you that you, if you choose to develop them, it'll probably develop fairly easily. I think you also have some abilities and talents that are similar to that. And then you have your skills that come through education and experience that you develop over the years. 
And then you have your passions, those things that light you up. Time flies when you're connected to your passions. And so I think about all of that as being your authentic self, that all these ingredients make up who you really are, your true nature of who you're meant to be in the world, how you're meant to serve in the world. I think of our careers as our form of service, being able to use the gifts, abilities, skills, passions that you, uh, you know, that are natural to you in your form of service through in your career just makes everything more fun, really easier. I mean, it doesn't mean that learning a new skill isn't hard, but you can do it and you can get really good at it. And you become, again, super proficient at it and it almost becomes like natural. But that's something that you're developing from nothing and you have to give a time and attention to it to develop it. And you can do that. It, it sort of reminds me of Strength Finders, that book. They talk about the fact that why are we spending so much time trying to train up people's weaknesses when we can focus and expand on their strengths. And that's just an easier path, right? And so that's what I think about when I think about aligning with your authentic self, that you're tapping into those unique gifts that you were born with, those abilities that you've developed and skills that you've learned and become proficient at. And of those, how do you want to use them in whatever is the next step in your career? Or in fact, what do you want to leave behind? Because you're just done with it. Like you might have been the go-to person for Excel pivot tables, but that isn't something you want to bring forth into your next role. So you just sort of let it go the way it goes and focus on things that are more aligned currently with who you really are now. Because we evolve and change. And so who we were 25 years ago, 20 years ago, may not be who we are now, though we haven't, we might see symptoms of being out of alignment, but we don't really get it that that's what's happening, that we have just gone out of alignment with our authentic selves, with our true nature. And so we're no longer able to look forward at our true north, you know, and, and follow that true north because we're just in confusion. Lori, how does a person know that they're out of alignment with their career? I mean, do they sit down and journal and all of a sudden it comes about or do they have to talk with you as a coach? What's the process that you suggest? Yeah. So, I mean, how do you know if you're out of alignment? I mean, I go back to when I was talking about being a software engineer, the University of Texas in the business school, I loved all of my software engineering stuff. Like it was a blast. But when I look back on it, the reason it was so fun is we were all in a big room, writing our code, talking to each other, helping each other. And it wasn't the same in the environment that I went into. So how did I know that I was out of alignment with what I was meant to be doing? Was I was tired. <laughs> I didn't want to go to work. I was always looking at the clock. I'd come home and think to myself, I cannot wait to get my hands on. For me, it was always chocolate. Like that was a symptom to me that I was trying to change how I was feeling because I wasn't feeling good about where I was. And so you can look at symptoms like that. I, I call it over Xing, like with the X, just fill in the blank. Are you overeating, oversleeping to avoid? Are you overanalyzing things to no real good conclusion and driving yourself crazy a little bit? Are you over shopping? Are you over Netflixing? Are you over drinking wine? 
I mean, all of these can be real signs that something's out of alignment in your life slash, you know, I focus on career. Then what do you do? You know, you talked about journaling. I think journaling is phenomenal. I think we should do that every single day or at least a few times a week to get stuff out of our heads and onto paper. I think, of course, even before I became a certified coach, I had a business coach. I had a sales coach. And then eventually I had a life coach. And now I continue to have coaches to help me be my very best self that I want to be. And that's what I think, you know, like you get a, you know, in baseball, they'll give you a pitching coach to, and they give you a batting coach. And it's like that, that, you know, what's the difference between a coach and a friend? A coach is definitely going to challenge you a little bit and, and really ask you to go inside and do your real truth. And they're skilled and trained to do that versus a friend is going to maybe, and oh my gosh, it's horrible, you know? And so, I think that how you know you're out of alignment is, you know, some of those overexing symptoms that you might be experiencing, including just dragging to work. What do you do about that? What I've seen over the years is people look to their current job, let's say they're in a job and they're experiencing these symptoms and they think that they need to switch jobs. So they do all kinds of external action. They fix their resume, update their LinkedIn profile, start going to networking events, applying to jobs, interviewing They may get offers, they accept a job. Six months later, they're feeling a lot of these same feelings and experiencing a lot of these same symptoms because they really looked at the external as the reason they need to change instead of going inside first. So I think it's an inside job first where you tap into, again, what is it that you love to do? What are you passionate about doing? And from there, create your roadmap before you take any outer action. I have a quiz on my website. If you look under free resources, it's like the four stages of a career change cycle. And stage one is like we were talking about this by choice or circumstance, you know that it's time for a change. Either you've been laid off and you you need something different, or you're just feeling all these symptoms that we talked about and you know you need different, right? Stage two is career contemplation. That's where you dream and you journal and you vision board and you you talk to a coach and you talk to other people doing different careers and maybe you take some classes and things. But these are, again, not a lot of external stuff, but more internal. You're contemplating what might be next for you. Then you go to discovery and that's where you're taking more outward action. And then eventually stage four is career love where you've landed somewhere that you're really passionate and excited about and enjoying the work you're doing. But what happens often is people jump from square one. Oh my gosh, I need something different right into square three and start doing all those external actions. So notice the symptoms. How are you feeling? Look at your behaviors and be like, okay, what if this is related to the fact that I'm just unhappy with my current career situation and I'm not quite sure what to do about it? I can start journaling a little bit. I can get some books out of the library. I can go to maybe some LinkedIn learning classes. But I really think getting a coach is probably one of the best things you can do at that point. And that that's not just because I am a coach, but because how impactful having a coach, like a different perspective, accountability partner, an ear to help you through that very unsettling, scary, and exciting too about the possibilities time of change. Lori, does that tie then to, you've talked about before, an exit plan for an individual And how do I go about developing that exit plan for myself? When I think about exit plans, 
That's such an interesting question. So, you know, I have clients that are three years in their career that are experiencing these symptoms, right? And then I have clients that are five years away from retirement. And so at any point in time, you can be have a realization that it's time to exit what I'm doing and create something new for myself. And so the exit plan for me is, again, like, you know, I'm going to talk about my career reset program that I offer three times a year. And in that program, what we do is, again, we we take a step back and reflect on all of our gifts, abilities, skills, sort of connect those career dots so that, you know, we know what we love and what we don't want to keep doing what we want to keep doing, what we might want to develop further, sort of get those insights. And then we talk about mindset. So I, again, I I mentioned a little bit about our thoughts and we need to clean up our thoughts and beliefs so that we can have a really fantastic exit and then connect with our intuition and get guidance that way, because we have this inner wisdom that we are sometimes socialized out of that offers so much to us in this process of exiting or transforming. And then at the end of the program, you create a vision with some, what I call your three essential next steps to move closer towards your vision. So that would be the beginning of an exit plan. You know, this foundation starts with really reconnecting with who you are, what you love, who do you want to be now in this next version of yourself? Whether it's, you know, you're only two years into your career or you're you're 32 years into your career, you have choice and you can create really anything. Lori, as we've said, you have been a part of the recruiting scene for a number of years. What are some of the common challenges that job seekers often face as they are, again, either of their own choosing or pushed into changing jobs? I mean, I think, you know, we've all heard the challenges. It's either could be I'm too young or too old. That's what I hear a lot. You know, they I think they think I'm not experienced enough or I'm too experienced. You know, could be showing their value through the interview process. You know, that can be something that needs a little practice. Also, negotiation and having confidence in asking for what you really want and how you go about asking for things in a way that doesn't that keeps them involved in the in this process instead of shutting a door too soon i think that even though there's been progress we're still as women specifically underpaid to market and that's why negotiation is so important but also you know there is ageism and sexism and racisms and you're in the HR department and you know how work HR is is doing in order to to combat that stuff and we're still faced with that in the interview process whether our biases are unconscious there, you know, you call them unconscious bias for a reason. We don't really know that we're doing certain things that are causing us to make some decisions through the interview process. So what does a job seeker do? We, we have to, to really work on our thoughts around all of that so that we're not bringing, because our circumstances, we can't change. Like we're a certain age. You, you, you just can't change that, but you can change how the energy and, and your beliefs around that as you go into the interview process. Lori, what role do you think mentorship plays in navigating your career or 
your transition and any suggestions in terms of how someone can find the right kind of mentor for themselves? Sure. I think mentoring, coaching, again, slightly different. I think mentoring is essential (laughs) to career development. You know, so there's mentors, there's sponsors, there's coaches, there's therapists, there's friends, right? And there's family. And so all of these people can give us input and insights at different times and different points in our lives about different things. A mentor is someone who can really, you know, maybe there's someone within, often within your organization. They don't have to be. You can get a mentor outside of your organization, but they're often in the organization and they can really help you to get clear about where you want to go with your career. And for example, one of my my coachees, who is someone I'm coaching, also has a mentor. And that happens. You'll have a therapist and a coach. You'll have a mentor and a coach. You know, Her mentor is working with her on how to have more candid conversations with her team. And then in coaching, we, we work through some of that as well. And then her mentor is doing the same thing. So there's just so much that a mentor can offer. A sponsor, if if no one's heard about a sponsor, you know, the difference between a mentor and a sponsor is that a sponsor is that person that's actively opening doors for you for to help you advance your career. That sponsor can be, is often not in your organization, that they're out there and they have some influence. They really have taken you under their, under their wing. But yeah, I'm a big fan of mentoring. And how do you find a mentor? You ask. So this person I'm talking about that I was coaching, she didn't have a mentor. I don't know all the internal workings of every organization. Even as a recruiter, as much as I try to learn a culture really well, because that makes it just easier to find the right match between the person and the, and the organization, it isn't just a skill match, but there's a culture fit. And there's someone who can do the job today and can also be developed for the future. You know, that's an important. And so you're looking at those things. I don't understand fully all the workings of an organization. I suggested a mentor. She's like, well, how do I go about doing that? And I said, well, let's talk about that. And so we just put together a list of things that she might want in a mentor internally in her organization. She's in quality engineering and she really wanted someone that was like five or more years more senior than her, but not in management yet. You know, so she was like, I really want someone who's still in the day-to-day of it, but has been around the, the block a few more times, seen more things, can help me to understand some of the more technical aspects to her job and the, the systems they were using. And so that was really important to her. And so we just made a list of some things that were important. And then she reached out and he agreed. And she is now meeting with him. We talked about how often, you know, do they want to meet? And some of that's up to the mentor. You got to work through that. And I coached her a little bit on, you know, the mentee is bringing the agenda. The mentor really is in response. They are not setting the agenda or doing any extra work like that. That's on the mentee. Lori, any books or other resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Like I mentioned, I'm an avid reader of pleasure, but also because I'm I'm a consummate learner. And so I love Gay Hendricks' Big Leap. I think that's really good for career transition people. I love Radical Candor by Kim Scott. That's really about how to have conversations, hard conversations. I love You're a Badass by Jen Sincero, sort of fun writing, but really about confidence and and that sort of thing. And I read all kinds of things on money from practical to, you know, on investing and, you know, that sort of thing. But the book, you know, again, ultimately, I am a coach 
who's really at that crossroads of practical, common sense, job search and career strategy, and spirit-centered intuition mindset. And so I'm sort of a a blend of all that. So when I think about money books, one of my all-time favorite is by Tosha Silver, and it's called um, It's Not Your Money. And she, again, is just, she tells a lot of short story vignettes, but this idea that there's this unlimited supply of money of which we are all happy recipients. And uh, that's one of my mantras that, you know, that there's an unlimited supply of which I'm a happy recipient. Lori, we've covered so much information here this morning. If our listeners take away just three things, what are the three things that they should remember? I think first is reconnect with your authentic self, your gifts, your abilities, your skills, your talents, your passions that light you up as you create your next career step, next career move, that that should be the the center of how you start. I think really connecting your thoughts to your results and knowing that under every feeling, action, or result, there is a thought that's driving it. What is it? Really doing thought work. And then what's the third thing? I think uh, just have fun. You know, if whatever this change is, choose to make it fun. I think that last one comes through your tone, your passion, your energy, that having fun, even with serious, difficult issues, having fun is a real key. And I know that our listeners are going to get a great deal from today, and I hope that they have fun as they're listening to it. Lori, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much, Bob. Loved it. Great questions. Thank you for inviting me and having me here. Thank you for listening. We're working in unprecedented times. The purpose of these episodes is to give you the support and critical tools to adjust with the changing marketplace. I'll continue to introduce you to guests who have successfully survived their own obstacle course and can share useful information. If today's message was helpful to you, please share it on your social media. Your review and rating helps get this to more people. Also, if you have questions or podcast ideas for future conversations, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Change is constant. The more prepared you are for it, the better and easier the change will occur. Thank you again. This is your host, Bob Gerst. See you at our next episode.